Welcome to Pod Me If You Can. I'm David Farrell. And I'm Lloyd Hughes. And uh, it's our one year special at the moment. We're a little over one year into Pod Me If You Can, and we thought we'd try something a little bit different. We're going to do a podcast today about memorable film deaths, best film deaths, if you will. Uh, this is Lloyd and I's choices of um, films, basically, which have involved a death scene that has stayed with us over the years. Now, we're not talking about Final Destination or Saw. Uh, or those kind of horror films where everybody dies and you're just counting them down one by one, you know, like in Scream. But we're talking about unique film deaths um, that are memorable, as I said, to uh, us. Ones that stay with us for years. So spoilers, just ahead of time. We will try and uh, say the names of the films and then discuss the death in question. So if we mention a film that you haven't seen, hopefully you'll have enough time to pause and maybe revisit the podcast just after you've seen the film because some of them are really very integral into the plot aren't they Lloyd <laughs> oh definitely I was really excited when you brought this up and you went oh do you want to do best deaths and my, immediately guns and fireworks just started firing off in my mind I thought that was such a cool idea my criteria that I used when I selected these like I guess we could have just easily have gone onto IGN or just googled best deaths and used those lists but I think um, I think you went the same route as me, where we just chose um, w- our criteria for it was what hit us the most, what emotionally got us the most. Um, That's right. And, yeah, yeah. As you said at the beginning, most memorable to us. So this is cool. I- I- I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, for listeners who aren't familiar, um, Lloyd loves action movies, and Lloyd uh, would love to make straight to dvd action films lloyd yes for the rest of my life that'd be a dream job (laughs) yeah so uh, you've probably given some thought to um you know deaths and so forth that forth that you've seen in films um but i will kick things off um with uh the lord of the rings the very first one fellowship of the ring i want to discuss um sean bean who played plays boromir Uh, oh that's so cool (laughs) His demise, um, which I thought was just a really epic moment in the first film and uh, really sets up for the second film. The fact that he wants... Um, now, I know Lloyd is not a Lord of the Rings fan, but you have seen this one, haven't you, Lloyd? I, I actually liked... Um, I'm not a Lord of the Rings fan, but out of all the Lord of the Rings, this one I found I liked the most. And yeah, that death was one of the coolest deaths. It's the one where he's blowing on the trumpet... And they've hit him with like six arrows and he still keeps fighting. Is, is yes. that the one? And he gradually sort of goes down and then gets back up, keeps fighting, keeps protecting the hobbits, who two scenes beforehand or something, he was trying to get the ring off uh, Frodo. And you could see the, you know, in his eyes that he wanted it for himself. And um, That was an excellent death. And uh, there's the army of orcs charging through the forest, which I think the forest is an amazing sequence um, in itself. And it's really, like, brings to a head this um, Boromir as he's sort of dying, continuing continuing to fight um, and being a part of the Fellowship, which he was in danger of falling out of. And um, Aragorn comes in, he fights the, let's call him the leader orc. He's got a white handprint on his head and um, basically seems unkillable. He's yeah. the guy that shoots all the arrows into Boromir. And uh, in this scene, basically, the fight between um Viggo Mortensen who plays Aragorn and uh this orc he eventually slices off his head and when that happens in the theater that I'm watching it in everybody cheers oh really yeah there's like oh, a, that's cool there's like an awesome cheer comes out and I just thought like it really hit me that moment um especially probably amplified by the cheer how much it sort of stayed with me um but then Boromir has time to sort of talk to Aragorn and stuff and die with a lot more dignity than he if he'd just been shot in the head with a dart. I mean, yeah. a, an arrow, rather. You know? Um, so it just made it really epic. You bring up a great actor, Sean Bean, and it's funny, it's gone viral all over YouTube, but his death reel? And yes. it, it just um, is a montage of all his deaths. If you haven't seen it, just Google Sean Bean um, death real and all his deaths are there it's fantastic and it's funny there's an interview with sean bean and they go oh do you realize um you've 
you've got like this death reel uh, video that's gone viral on YouTube and he's like oh really and they're like yeah it's got like a million hits he goes yeah I guess I've I guess I've died in a lot of movies <laughs> yes. and then like the guy goes do you have a favorite death and he goes ah I guess uh, Boromir yeah Boromir was a good death <laughs> there you go it's actually his favorite as well <laughs> yeah no, that's a good choice I remember seeing that in the cinema and I really like Sean Bean I think he's got a great face I think he's a great actor um, and he's good in those roles as like hardy honorable men whether they be villains they, they still have a lot of code like um, mm-hmm. I thought he played a great role in Goldeneye yes. um, as 006 <laughs> that was another funny death um and uh yeah he's always been a phenomenal actor and yeah seeing him in lord of the rings the first one um although i'm not a fan of lord of the rings that was one of the um scenes i was like wow and one of the characters i was like that was really cool because he wasn't perfect as um aragon who's just this boromir yeah yeah boromir is this really um uh not tragic but not a really fault uh, of a character Flawed. you know he's got a yeah, lot of faults sure. with him um he's got greed and everything but at the same time in the end he he goes down by his shield, so it was a fantastic death. And his choice to keep fighting and protecting uh, the two hobbits is, is really interesting. And you can see it. There's many sort of slow-motion, epic moments within the whole fight where you can see it in his eyes and the way he sort of chooses to continue to fight. Uh, it's, it's really well done. Yeah. Um, no, good choice. <laughs> yeah. No, I was just going to say, I remember um, the GoldenEye video game on Nintendo 64 um you know with 006 and stuff it's very vividly you know the faces were really good in those games yeah. and you could sort of tell it was sean bean and um that was really good but the lord of the rings game on uh, ps2 i think it is um it also does this whole forest sequence really well and it feels like you're fighting orcs forever it seems like they just keep coming and it's uh you know a really full-on sequence it's it's something that's great it feels interactive as well when you can play it Oh, that's cool. Within a game. Um, did you want to mention uh, your childhood films? Oh, yeah. Um, this is interesting. When I was selecting these, I automatically thought of Optimus Prime's death. And I know you said on last week's podcast that you've seen Transformers a lot of times. The animated film, yeah. Yeah, and wh- what was your um, what was the impact of Optimus Prime's death? Because that was like, you know, if you look at a timeline of a child's life, <laughs> that'd be one of the most... Uh, the biggest impact one of the b- great impacts of their youth was optimus prime dying i know that sounds corny well, but he was so loved by um children everywhere and just the fact that a movie would just kill him off in a very brutal fashion was yeah. remarkable <laughs> well i think you're talking about probably boys and not girls as much. yeah sorry they yeah <laughs> probably couldn't care less about optimus prime um well do you first for viewers um or listeners rather um, want to describe the way he dies in the film? You know, yeah, well, you it's got one of the song. coolest entrances <laughs> of Optimus Prime, um, and he comes, he enters the whole movie to the song, uh, in, in, into the initial battle. Um, you got the touch. Um, so every kid who hears that song, you got the touch. You know, their eyes go dreamy. They think back of their youth and they think of Optimus Prime, and he or really turns think of, the tide of the battle because the Autobots are losing um, in the whole battle, they, and then. Sorry, sorry. I just want to interrupt, or else they think of uh, Boogie Nights. You know, Mark Wahlberg <laughs> sings that song. I completely forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sorry. Carry on. He no, turns you're the right. tide. Um, he turns the tide of the battle, and he comes to um, Megatron, and it's Megatron and him face to face. And Megatron decides not to shoot him with his gun, and he says, "I'll, dis- I'll, um, destroy you with my own hands." I can't believe I'm forgetting the line. I've seen that movie. I'll um, rip out your optics. I'll rip out your optics. Yeah. <laughs> and he fights I'll crush Megatron. You with my bare hands, I think he says. Yeah, and Megatron beats him up really badly. Like, um, Optimus Prime gives as good as he gets. Like, it's really um, a really brutal battle where um, Megatron hits him in the side of his uh, rib. I think it's the right-hand side. And everyone, I read on forums, everyone goes, oh, that must be his weakness. Because one big fault of the movie, Ultra Magnus gets shot to pieces, like literally blown to pieces yes. later in the film. And they put him all back together in the land of the Junkions. And mm-hmm. Optimus Prime just gets beaten down. 
um, heavily uh, by Megatron, and um, he ends up getting shot by Megatron. Megatron manages to get to a gun and shoot him several times. And yep. just before Optimus dies, he gives an uppercut, sending Megatron down, and Megatron's almost dead as well. Um, and eventually, the, uh, we find out in the later scene, the wounds are so much, Optimus just dies, and he passes on his matrix of leadership. Isn't and it he- interesting that we refer to robots dying but really they just shut down don't they (laughs) yeah that's right um i don't know they just seem to have a soul even though they're just meant to be um commercials for so we could buy um toys (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and he passes on his matrix of leadership and he just dies and if you watch how the scene um goes on it's actually very well done um it's just music um going and you see the heart monitor just um, Optimus Prime's last beats of life before he turns black and they go almost black and white just on Optimus Prime yeah. and he turns and um, the kid cries and everyone looks down and it cuts to this long shot. It's really, really good. It's a really yes. well done scene. And as a kid, you're watching this and Optimus Prime is a huge hero to kids at the time and they're just mercilessly killing um, uh, Transformers in that movie in the battle scenes but specifically Optimus Prime and what it was was the transition of a new line of toys um, yeah. so the, yeah the writers were writing in not knowing they were causing the most traumatic experience for children um, for me for me watching that film my favourite character was Hot Rod I had the Hot Rod toy and uh, obviously really I hated Hot Rod <laughs> and he, he becomes Rodimus Prime at the end you know he, he leads yeah. and, and becomes he steps up you know yeah and um, the whole film is basically about him and and Cup. It was like the Luke Skywalker type thing. Like he had to be exactly, yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, so I I really enjoyed the the growth of his character within that uh, cartoon film. Yeah, it's interesting that you called it a heart monitor, but again, he doesn't have a heart. <laughs> <laughs> his lifeline monitor. I don't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. It is and- very lifelike when you're a kid. <laughs> <laughs> and the other most terrific. Oh, I won't say horrific, I'll say traumatic um, death sequence was the death of um, Bigfoot's mum in Land Before Time. I'm not sure mm. if it's the mother or the grandmother, but she dies Is defending Littlefoot? him against Littlefoot's the Tyrannosaurus. Littlefoot's mum? Littlefoot's, right? okay, sorry. Bigfoot, I, I thought it was Bigfoot. It must be Littlefoot, you're right. Yeah, I think he's called Littlefoot, yeah. Um, Littlefoot's mum dies defending um, the child against the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and the wounds are so great, she's just dying there. And the mum tells him that don't worry, everything will be okay. You just got to find the um, oh, what was it they're looking for? The valley or something? Yeah, I can't remember what the valley. I can't is remember. Called, I'm but sorry. <laughs> watch it. I watched it again on YouTube. Somebody's um, uploaded that, and it is so sad, and that his mum dies and he's left alone in this really harsh world where the asteroids have just hit or Sonic has happened, and they all the dinosaurs have to make this long journey to find food. And it's interesting at the end of that film when they find the valley and all their families there. I interpret it as them dying. They've entered in paradise now, and this oh. is the end. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, well, that was shattered when they came out with uh, Land Before Time 2 and 3. And 4 um, and 5 and 6. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so the death of Bigfoot's mother and... Um, Littlefoot's, Littlefoot's, Littlefoot's mother. Littlefoot's mother was so sad um, to me. And then to get to the end of that film where they get to a valley and then I'm interpreting it as paradise where, you know, this is the end. Um, we've all died and we're now in heaven with all the other creatures was so traumatizing <laughs> you've seen um land before time yeah to be honest with you lloyd now i haven't seen land before time since i was a kid <laughs> it's not one of those films which uh, i've revisited over the years but i suspect it'll be the kind of film that now that i have a daughter i will throw in eventually and um review once more um, i'm a so sucker I- with those kids films like i can still cry in them <laughs> Yeah, I think we've all got our favourites, really. Like I mentioned last week, uh, a film, Flight of Dragons, and I'm still waiting to hear if anybody has heard of that film, I guess. You can hit me up on Twitter or something and just, yeah, say you've seen it, because I feel like it's the kind of film that was only on TV and that I feel like no one ever knew about it, you know? just like yeah, um, sort of went under the radar. Didn't feel like, yeah, mainstream film, I don't know. Maybe you should look was- that up if it's a cult favourite. Yeah, well, I have a copy of it. So, I mean, somebody out there sold it to me, but, you know, I I don't know. Um, I'm going to jump in with the next one, Lloyd. The film is Pulp Fiction. So, death out of the many... Memorable. Yeah. Yeah, many memorable ones. But the one that (laughs) sticks with me, 
Oh man, I just shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> That's got to be one of the funniest scenes. I know it's a sadistic thing to say, yeah. but <laughs> oh yeah, this is a memorable death for all the wrong reasons. I guess it's like this um, moment in the film which leads them to the introduction of Quentin Tarantino's character. And what I love about it is really how it comes out of nowhere and continues to progress the story forward. Uh, the fact that they have to then get cleaned up, that they have to pick bits <laughs> of brain out of the back seat. It just leads to so much uh, comedy and uh, intrigue about the film, you know? And uh, Marvin was such a small character up to that point sort of thing. It just... Like a George Travolta yeah. goes, oh, I think I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> yes, exactly. And how casual he is about that as well. How it's I like, know. Oh, whoops, kind of thing, you know. It's And it comes, as I said, out of nowhere. And the back window of the car, how it just fills with blood, <laughs> um, has always stuck with me, you know, since I first saw that film. Yeah, that one was really good. No, that's um, a good choice. <laughs> you had Aliens. Oh, yeah. Um, it's interesting with this film, and I'm going with the death of Hudson in Aliens, because, like, you know, almost everyone dies in the movie Aliens. And this is the sequel, directed by James Cameron, not the... Um, Ridley Scott film and mm -hmm. there's a character Hudson played by Bill Paxton who's afraid in the whole film he goes game over man it's game over you know he's famous <laughs> for that line and throughout the whole um, bit like he's one of the survivors he's really negative about a lot of the situations because he's so scared um, mm -hmm. like he doesn't want to volunteer for things and, and so forth but he's actually a very good soldier and towards the end when they're making their last stand they're like f fending them off while they open up other doors trying to escape he just gets this moment of insane courage and just starts blowing away um, aliens left and right. And he goes, you want some? You want some of this? And it's just great because you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, as a viewer, you, you're getting right in there. And then an alien takes him down from underneath and starts pulling him down, like seemingly from nowhere. And he doesn't give up. He actually grabs his gun, points it down, and he um, he says, F you, and he keeps firing down. And... um. Uh, Hicks, who's the sergeant, played by Michael Bean, runs over and grabs Hudson by the hands and, H and Hudson's hands is slipping because he keeps mm. dragging away and, and Hicks is trying with all his might and then you see the hand of the alien reach up and grab Hudson's face and pull him down. So it's a very terrifying scene but at the same time it's a great death, sort of like Boromir's death in... Um, uh, Lord, Lord of the, the Rings. Rings yeah because he goes down fighting and he has that insane courage and I can't yeah. tell you in how many video games I've played in Call of Duty or, or um, Resident Evil where you have those survival type war games or even in laser zone or, or um, paintball games where you always get one guy who just goes out there and goes on that suicidal ramp rampage and just trying to take out as many guys and i want to say it's purely inspired by hudson which it isn't I, i'm sure there's other movies that have done it but you know i've i've personally have done it i just run out there in a video game going ah you want some you know and just i just try to shoot down as many people before i go down in a hail of bullets <laughs> yes it's it's like a lot of war films, I'm sure. Yes, you're absolutely right. A lot of war films would have done it. There's that scene in Con Air where Nicolas Cage just kind of walks through like a massive fight scene in slow motion and he's able to just fight people on the way. Sort of yeah, thing. Yeah. He gets shot in the arm yes, and he, he just does. ignores it. Yeah, Keeps that's cool. going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, it's hard to top the alien scene where... The alien scene, rather, where the alien comes out of the chest... You know, it's um out of um the initial the bodies that they find. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's oh, it's terrifying. But anyway, we will move on. <laughs> the next film I've got, and Lloyd and I came to these choices independently. Um, the next one I've got is American History X. Now, Edward Norton um is in this film. So is Ethan Supley. Uh, it's all about Nazi beliefs and. Uh, it's got the kid from uh, Terminator 2 as well, the one who plays John Connor. His name escapes me at the moment. Do you know it, Lloyd? Oh, I've forgotten. Uh, I can't remember. But, um, <laughs> you know, the kid who's all, like, teaching uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger lingo in the second one. Yeah. One who plays John Connor. And um, he is the, like, little brother of um, Edward Norton. Edward Norton, for me, is, like, a really great actor. I don't know if you agree, Lloyd, but... Um, I think he's a bit a overrated, but he's a very intelligent guy. Well, at this time, you've got Fight Club, you've got uh, Primal Fear, 
which I don't know if you've seen the yes. movie yep. with Richard Gere, where he's playing, you know, two different facets of one personality kind of thing. He's like a multiple personality disorder kind of thing going on. Um, I won't say any more about Primal Fear because in case people want to see it. And he but was American also in History, the score with Marlon Brando and um, Robert De Niro. Yep. Um, but American History X to stay on point. There's this ultra-violent death scene which results in him going to prison where he has uh, another character put his teeth on the curb. He says, bite the curb, I'm pretty sure. And then he steps on the back of the guy's head, killing him against the curb kind of thing. And it's just this intense moment that is followed by... It's in black and white. It's a slow motion shot. And the background is black. And uh, the white of uh, Edward Norton's character just illuminated by what I guess must be the headlights of the police car. Yep. And um, the look in, on his face is just very memorable and the, the hatred that his character is feeling at the time. You don't actually see anything, do they cut away? The no, no, they cut away. And then he stomps? Often uh, those kinds of moments are made worse because um, in your mind you build it up and you make it as horrible as... We talked about this on the Looper podcast, you know, I'm not going to mention what it was about, but um, uh, if you've seen Looper and you've listened to that podcast, you'll you'll know what I'm talking about, sure. how we build up in our mind how horrible a death can be yeah. um, when it's off screen, you know. Um, it's the same thing from Reservoir Dogs, where um, there's that ear scene where... Yes, um, you don't actually see it, yet it's exactly. one of the most horrifying it's, or talked about scenes, but you don't actually see anything. That's right, and which helps the rating of a film, you know, if you did see these kind of horrible things like in movies like Hostel, you know, where it openly shows torture and, you know, um, horrible stuff, then it really bumps up the rating of the film and less people wind up seeing it. But yeah, we imagine a horrible moment when he stomps these teeth on the yeah. curb. So American History X for me was a, a really good one um, when I thought of this. Um, but the next one we'll talk about... Lloyd, I'll introduce it and I'll let you take over because yeah, we both sure. we both came up with Terminator 2 and the same death from Terminator 2. So set it up for us, Lloyd. Oh my gosh. When um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, the, uh, what's his code? The T-1000 is the T-800, um, isn't he? Metal and he's... T-800, I think. T-800? Yes, T-800? Yeah, I throughout so. the whole film, he's like the father of John Connor and he's protecting him and you're rooting for him for the whole film because he seems so underpowered compared to the T-1000. Uh, the T-1000 is like, a, you know, a super phenomenal, one of the best villain characters ever put to film. Like, the special effects are phenomenal. Liquid despite, metal, yeah. Um, his power in the first Terminator, he seems so underpowered, like he's always struggling and he's always running from... Um, from liquid metal and he's like throughout the whole film you form this bond with this kid and this um uh mechanical uh terminator i want to say um and there's a great speech that uh, the mother delivers when she goes out of all the would-be fathers who ever came um the terminator was the best one because he would never strike john he would never get angry he'd never get drunk he'd always stand by him i think that's a really touching moment in the film and at the very end he realizes um there's so many layers going on at that point, but he's managed to destroy liquid metal, which was a cool death in itself. Liquid metal falls into the lava yes. and disintegrates. That, that was a great death, and it's a very bizarre metamorphosis he takes into everyone he's turned into and eventually dissolves into lava. And then um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, or the Terminator, says, I have to die as well because... Um, I have to terminate as well because I have a chip inside me. And so in yes, order for the it's future... it's the technology... Yeah, the technology has to be destroyed. And there's all these layers there because she says something in the monologue after he dies about if a Terminator can understand um, the price of... I've, I've got it here if you like. Okay, yeah, sure. It's uh, because if a machine, a Terminator, can learn the value of human life, maybe we can too. It's so... Yeah, and exactly. If you watch that scene again and he says something to him, he goes, and now I know why you do this. They're referring to crying. Now I know yes. why you cry. Um, there's so many humanic, uh, I don't know, it's like Pinocchio, it's like, um, uh, I think, therefore I am, what I dream of electric sheep, like with Blade Runner, there's so many things going on there, but the most touching moment of all was like a father got leaving a son, 
um, you really felt that moment, and he goes off to his death, and he gives a thumbs up at the end. It is so sad and so well done. The whole movie's brilliant, but that moment was just so touching. I didn't cry at the end of that. It was sort of like an accepting thing. Yeah, he definitely has to die, but you really, the loss of his presence, you really felt like he, when he when he goes in and he gives the last thumbs up. It's sort of sad. It's sort of happy. It's like a happy death. But it's a weird feeling to describe. It's one of the great movies of all time, I think. And definitely memorable because, you know, obviously we both picked this to go into this list. Absolutely. Yeah, and the fact that he can't self-terminate as well. The fact that they have to lower him into the lava and he's accepting of it. And uh, it's weird that he can even do the thumbs up because, you know, the lava would have kind of destroyed him as he was going into it. That's a really good point because it goes into his point of view and you see all the systems um, going, yeah, shutting down. Yeah, shutting down. Oh, my God. And and as well, this almost killed, I think, the Terminator franchise because it's sort of like there is no more technology. It's all, everything's dissolved, you know, sort of thing. What do you mean it Um, did? There there is no Terminator sequels. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Is that Terminator 3, um, quick spoilers for Terminator 3 uh, now, um, the way that it ends, you've seen it, Lloyd? I don't know what you're talking about. There is no such thing as a Terminator 3. Oh, maybe we should just leave it there. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Edward Furlong was the actor who played John Oh, yes, Edward Furlong. Edward Furlong. You'll never get um, Edward. You'll only remember Furlong. (laughs) Yeah, uh, he's also the one from American History X whose name I couldn't remember. Hmm. Um, I'll jump into the next one. This is a great topic, I think. I'm enjoying it a lot. We should do more of these one-off specials. Yeah, they're fantastic. (laughs) Um, American Beauty is the film. Oh, good uh, choice. Sam Enders, yeah. Yeah, the the death of Kevin Spacey, who won an Oscar for this performance. Um, The fact that the whole film, at the beginning, he mentions, you know, in less than a year I'll be dead you're counting down to this death it's what you're expecting to happen the entire time but the way the film is um i don't know if this was the same for you but you forget about that um and you you don't necessarily remember the death until like you know everybody's getting guns and everyone's That's sort of a really good him at point. the end it's a tricky strategy because you already yeah. throw down the ending at the beginning and yes. you have to be so good for the audience to sort of like forget that sunset boulevard was one of the most memorable ones where he introduces himself dead in a pool like he's yes. like just in the pool dead and the whole voiceover is him and you think well how can he do a voiceover he's dead sort of thing um and yeah and this one exact same case like he's introduces oh, i'm actually dead and you're going to watch how how, this how the, the events leading up to it sure it's amazing and, uh, how it's still a surprise like he dies like it's like whoa you know yes and very well done as well because yeah. At the time, when it happens, you don't see who pulls the trigger. Um, of course, he's in the house and he doesn't sleep with Mina Suvari, which you think is going to happen in the lead-up um, because he's lusting after her and working out and so yes. forth. But he, he returns her to innocence in a way that's very fatherly and, you know, he starts acting his age right at the end. And um, then this gun kind of comes into frame just at the back of his head. The camera pans to the left to the wall and you see this blast of blood just hit the wall as if he's been shot in the head off screen again another memorable off screen death um but alan ball who created uh six feet under as well as true blood um well he didn't create true blood but he created the tv series of true blood sure you know he it's this delicate handling of characters that i think was really well done and um it sticks with you that death as well because you see his head on the counter afterwards um, you know, obviously blood coming from the head and the weird boy who films, I can't remember his character's name, sure. who films the um, plastic bag and it's the most beautiful thing he's ever seen, looks at Kevin Spacey and smiles. And it's really memorable because there's sort of half a smile on Kevin Spacey's head, yeah. um, uh, face rather, because as he's lying there, he's just looked at a photo of his family. He was smiling just as he died. The thing that went through his head was, you know, his family and... Um, I just thought it was really interesting. It's so effective as well, the music and how much pacing there was in that film. It's so delicately handled, how much time they give each other for the looks. Yeah. Um, it's not overdone, it's not underdone, it's just perfectly right. And just something about the pacing of that movie is so enchanting. Mm. 
Lloyd, your next one is yours. The film is Casino. Casino, um, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring you know his typical troops, all well, his best troops. Oh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Raging Bull <laughs> days. Sorry, I was like, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> oh, geez, he's got so many new teams, doesn't he? Um, so many teams. Uh, well, he came off Goodfellas, um, and they pretty much teamed up again to do another sort of gangster film, and they're very similar films, Goodfellas and um, Casino. Uh, Joe Pesci plays this, t- who's a phenomenal actor, by the way, um, uh, plays this absolutely tyrannical mobster killing people left and right, and he comes to the most horrific death. And this brings up that voiceover technique that you talked about um, in American Beauty, uh, he's the whole film. It has a, his voiceover, and it cuts off the moment the sequence happens, where the gangsters mm-hmm. he thinks he's having a meeting, um, and they bring him to a sugarcane um, area, and they all take out baseball bats, um, and they turn on Joe Pesci, and he quickly finds out that the the higher up mobs want him eliminated, so they kill him in the most primeval sort of manner with simply baseball bats, and they yeah. beat him down. And what's worse about it, I think, was when Joe Pesci has to watch his brother die, and his brother, um, I think it's just so horrific, like the bones are coming out of the cheek, and he's still swearing, like half mumbling, and you see the body twitching and stuff like that, and then finally they beat up Joe Pesci, and then they throw him in the pit, and then they throw dirt on the face and you see that he's still alive, like he's still conscious. It's so brutal. Um, And Martin Scorsese even said, he goes, that's all I ever had to say about violence. There's nothing more I can do. Like, that's it. It's just guys getting beat up by um, baseball bats. And when he did Gangs of New York years later, you'd think would have much more violent scenes than that. It's actually all kind of off screen, all the actual um, flesh and... Um, the impact of flesh on on weapons um, it's all yep. just off screen uh, and uh, Casino was really had an impact on me especially I think mainly because his brother he had to watch his brother go down um, first yeah. um, it's so terrifying it's one of the most ugliest deaths I've ever seen yeah I, I don't know if you've seen Casino yeah I did um, initially that that's another one of the films that um opens with a, a death it's a car bomb explosion yes yeah and um you know so you're intrigued by this possibility of who was in the car and and so forth yeah throughout the film yeah but no it's um it's a good one um the next one i thought of pretty early on was uh, another classic 1983 scarface oh good choice brian de palma written by oliver stone <laughs> who i know you appreciate yeah, and this of- one the death in question is that of the lead character. Al Pacino plays Tony Montana. And he rises to the top in Miami. He's an immigrant, you know, and he, over the 170-odd minutes, he moves his way to a position of power. He has mountains of cocaine. He has guns at his disposal. He barricades himself in. You know, he gets Michelle Pfeiffer. He, he puts himself in this, like, kingpin, you know, position... And uh, the way that he comes down, he's got that so many iconic lines in the shootout and stuff. And then the way he falls into the pool and stuff at the end after all the shooting, it's just a really memorable scene, I think. In it's almost you've... like Macbeth where um, he, the kingdom is imploding and he really believes he's invincible um, mm-hmm. as long as he doesn't fight a man of a woman born and then he fights um uh i think malcolm or mcduff who's uh, actually untimely ripped from the body so he wasn't actually born from a a woman he was actually ripped out of Mm. um yeah so that was the that was the riddle that that he discovered but you know like macbeth makes his last stand and eventually he dies it's very similar to um Tony Montana, yeah, yeah, making his last stand on the thing, and he takes so many bullets, and he keeps, I can take all your bullet, I can take all your bullet, you know, and then the guy <laughs> comes up behind him and shoots him with a sawn off. Oh my god! <laughs> As well, his accent. There's something really intoxicating about. Oh, fantastic! Um, the way that Al Pacino plays this character, you know, and I think, um, yeah, it's it's one of those films that everybody should watch at some point, even yeah. though it's a long film. It's very long, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's such a good conclusion, I think. And, um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. And as I said, these are 
are death scenes in films that really stayed with us. How so, good was when, that? Cool was that gun he had as well with the rocket launcher. I think um, Schwarzenegger mm. was featured in um, Predator. Schwarzenegger that was his main weapon that he had, and um, yeah, in this film he loads it up and he he takes out several guys before he goes down. It's a cool death. Yeah. Well, the other really iconic scene in Scarface that very nearly was uh, Tony Montana's death scene is where he's chained up in the shower and the guy has a chainsaw. Oh, that was brutal. You don't yeah, actually but, see anything, funny enough. Yeah, that's another really well done scene. But yeah. I've noticed a few of these are like off-camera deaths, I suppose. So maybe that's sort of what seems to stick with me now that we look <laughs> at it. But the next one, Lloyd, yours? You've got Jaws. Jaws. Um, I think this is one of the best... Th- it's my favourite Spielberg film. I think um, Spielberg, if you want to study all of his best aspects, best elements, it's definitely Jaws for me. Um, and there's this de- um, shark hunter, and I can't believe I forgot his name. I, uh, it's played by... Um, this Quint... Oh yes, yes, it's played by Robert Shaw. Yes, you're right. <laughs> and he's built up as this shark hunter to take that take down this um well everyone knows Jaws, this monster shark that's just eating up everyone. And he um says I'm a shark hunter, you know, and he gives this amazing monologue and it's probably one of the best monologues in all of movies about how I think there were the guys who were delivering the nuclear bomb like setting up markers or something and they were left pretty mm-hmm. much in the ocean like it's gone down as legend they were left out in the pacific ocean um and a lot of the soldiers like they didn't have an escape route or they didn't have a rescue ship or anything they were just left to fend for themselves and they had to fight off the sharks i think that's actually a true story and he delivers this monologue about the doll's eyes you know and all the rest of it and then he dies um fighting um jaws and the way and i caught this on tv um recently and it reminded me how great this movie was and I, i was just watching it um and i was actually watching with a friend and we were both our jaws were just dropping like I don't know anything about... No pun intended. No, 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 no pun intended. Um, where the ship is um, sort of um, uh, like leaning towards um, Jaws, like it's it's off, um, I don't know how to describe it, Jaws is biting the ship and it's like um, collapsing towards him and he's sliding down the ship and he's trying his best not to slide into Jaws, but he's like falling down towards him and... There's no music there. It's just him grunting and almost like squealing, like trying desperately to fend for his life. And it's how animalistic the scene is. Like he's like, I can't do the sound, but he's just like, you know, and he falls eventually into the into the shark's mouth and the shark is biting his stomach. Like, mm-hmm. I'm totally eating him, and blood is shooting out of his mouth, and he's in incredible pain. Uh, Robert Shaw did an amazing job of that, and eventually the shark pulls him in um, into the deep blue. And you really get a sense of, wow, this is no, there's no messing around. This is really, really horrific, this beast that's out there. And it's one of the best movies, I think, ever made, Jaws. It's, it's really remarkable. But that death, it is brutal just absolutely brutal <laughs> and what's mm. worse he's the shark hunter he's the expert i know it's a yeah. common formula the expert always dies uh like in jurassic park and so forth but oh my gosh what a what a death <laughs> who's the expert in jurassic park that dies because jeff the goldblum english, no the um, and- the the english guy the hunter um, he goes, hang on, they're hunting us. And then he goes, clever girl, uh, and he yes, tries to yes, shoot. Yes. Yeah, that was that was Testing cool. the fence for weaknesses. Yeah. A little bit little bit of an honourable mention. I think the guy who dies on the toilet in Jurassic Park, you know. Oh, that just, was brutal. <laughs> when you gotta go, you gotta go. And he just runs out there. And the and shark had, just, yeah, bites it all. Not the shark, the T-Rex. Oh, T-Rex, the, yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah. It's just a very memorable, kind of swings him around, so... <laughs> Very full on. You do not want to go that way. <laughs> I've right, got a couple more and then maybe a couple of honorable mentions. Um, sure. I'm going to say The Rules of Attraction, which uh, you haven't seen, Lloyd, but it's a um, a film by Roger Avery, who's worked with Tarantino before. He um, wrote it, a screenplay based on Brett Easton Ellis's novel, so American Psycho. Yep. Um, same author. And uh, the the film has this uh, storyline where, um, I can't vouch for the book, but uh, James Vanderbeek's character is receiving these letters from a secret lover, um, someone who admires him from a distance, and he seems to think he knows who it is, and so he's sort of pursuing them, and um, 
each letter kind of is poetry and uh, describes the way that he's um, got so much potential as a human and he's such a beautiful person and and I, I can't do it justice now but within the context of the film he's uh, very smitten with receiving these letters he's always going to his locker and opening them and receiving these letters and uh, he receives one that says um, basically that the the person is saying goodbye sort of thing because um, he wastes his time with all these random girls and uh, you know she would like to be with him and so forth so what ends up happening in the rules of attraction is this character the secret lover you find out who it is and it's none of the main characters um, the female characters in this film there's Kate Bosworth there's Shannon Sossamon from uh, Knight's Tale Jessica Biel is in this movie there's a lot of red herrings where it could have been any of these sort of lead female characters but the one that it turns out being is this girl and the the direction here is really good it replays scenes of james vanderbeek's character whose name is sean bateman which is another play on uh, american psycho mm. and um it shows scenes of him walking around and this girl in the to the left of frame to the right of frame she's in all these scenes but you don't notice her the first time around she's the secret admirer and uh she kills herself because uh, he doesn't know who she is, basically, oh because because um, he, you know, uh, doesn't sort of reciprocate feelings to her sort of thing. Yeah. And she goes to a party with the intent of, I think, meeting him and, and talking to him. And then he hooks up with someone else. And that's sort of what leads to her writing her final sort of letter. And the way that she kills herself is um, the song Living Is Without You plays, you know. She can't live, Living Is Without You. And it's not... I can't recall if it's a Mariah Carey version in the in the oh, film, okay. but yeah. um, she winds up lying in a bathtub and sort of slitting her wrists Ugh. and the bathtub filling with blood and it being a really epic, drawn-out thing. And, um, yeah, just the fact that sort of he doesn't realise what's going on. As a viewer, you don't realise it's her. Um, this sort of bit player with... She's got a voiceover, obviously, in the film, but otherwise you never hear her talk. And, uh, you know, she lights a ton of candles, and it's really, obviously, the end of her life in the in the film. And it's, um, yeah, I just thought it was really memorable and really intriguing, I suppose. Sounds very um, sad. Like, would be yes. really, really sad. Yeah, definitely. And the whole film is full of these... Like, just to plug the film for a second, Rules of Attraction, it's... um full of these really interesting shots really interesting editing techniques um the credits of this film go in reverse the um you know the the film has this long if you watch the trailer of the film on youtube you'll get a good sense of what it is and um yeah i think it's one of james vanderbeek's better performances yeah obviously he was dawson in dawson's creek and people just pigeonhole him as that but in this he plays sort of a it's a very adult film, I will tell you now, you know, um, but it's a really interesting sort of character and, yeah, one I would uh, I would sort of recommend. Obviously, yeah. I've spoiled part of the film for you, but... <laughs> no, i got to check it out now. Um, you wanted to mention The Wild Bunch. Yeah, The Wild Bunch. Um, have you seen this film? Yes, but again, this one, it was years ago. Oh, okay, sure. It came it out might have been for a film... Directed by Sam Peckinpah. Um, who's yes. a great Western action director. He's done many films. Uh, he's mainly responsible for doing those slow motion type things. Like John Woo is obviously a huge fan. Like an action sequence will be going and a, like a slow, it'll cut to a slow motion of a guy falling off a building, cut back to a guy fi- firing in real time. You know what I mean? A machine gun, mm. then cut back to the slow motion. Like he's incredibly good at that. So he loves his slow motion shots. I, I think he's one of the best action directors of all time, no doubt. And the Wild Bunch really represents the end of an era and the beginning of new. Like there's four main characters: Ernest Borgnine, and William Holden, and the two others, which I can't think of, <laughs> uh, or five main characters. And they're like these um, cowboys, but they got a strict code. They're like almost like bandits um, and things like that. And it comes towards the end where they're in this. Uh, Mexican army base and whatever they've done they they don't like with whatever deal they made with the general they don't like it 
um, and they've hit a disagreement, and they and it's brilliantly how it's set up. They pretty much, uh, almost with no words spoken, agree that we, you know, we got to take these guys down. And they just pick up a gun and start walking towards the center, and um, each of them like get out of bed and go, you know, just just follow the motion. So no word mm-hmm. is said. They just do what they do they just load up and they're like all right let's do this and it what comes is the most bloodiest climax i think ever put to film it's like four or five guys take on an entire army and one of them manages to get hold of a machine gun like a gatlin gun which is pretty new um technology back then um and he gets on a gatlin gun and just fires away and everyone's shooting at him and he's still firing like uh, like bullet holes everywhere and each of them go down like at least taking down at least 20 other guys you know it's a glorious death for each one but what it really represents is the end of that era and the beginning of a new like the end of the west and this new age that's coming along whether it be industrial or western or whatever like that age of the frontier is coming to an end it's a brilliant um brilliant movie and it's referred to in a lot of films i think the one i'm thinking of is quentin tarantino his screenplay for um from dust till dawn and george clooney says something like before i turn this place into the wild bunch referring Mm -hmm. to a bloody mess you know um i think it's the best death sequence that i've ever seen in film if you guys haven't checked it out go see it it's an old one 1968 but it's one of the best and so the death in that film is the death of each one of the sort of members hey exactly and like like you said with um lord of the rings like that boromir death like he goes down like really fighting for a code it's very similar to that like each one goes down like firing but really bloody (laughs) Mm. it's a glorious death (laughs) (laughs) we'll take a little time to just a, a few i wanted to acknowledge um that i thought were really interesting didn't quite make my absolute top on the list kind of thing um the way that inglorious bastards Um, the Tarantino film, the way that they actually are able to kill Hitler because this is like a reinvention of uh, history, you know, Uh, the way that he dies in a cinema, you know, the the fact that it all takes place in a projection room and then um, they, you know, are able to sort of cheap the part of the film sort of thing where (laughs) Hitler realises he's trapped and everything. It's it's really interesting, I think. Um, Just... Any film where you change the course of history, I think, um, is an interesting film yeah. just because of what they're trying to do. But Very brave. <laughs> whenever anybody says, what would you do if you could travel through time, a common answer is, would you go back and kill Hitler, and, yeah. you know, sort of thing. And, and Tarantino was able to do that. And it was just a really interesting film, I think. Mm. As well, um, this one's a fun one, but in Meet Joe Black, um, Brad Pitt's... <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> Brad Pitt is taken over by the devil who wants to live on earth um but for him to take over Brad Pitt's body the character Brad Pitt is playing has to first die so he meets the girl played by Claire Forlani who I can't believe didn't become more famous and bigger yeah than... she's an incredibly beautiful woman like you think yeah. she'd be like the next big thing I-, I thought so at the time but I guess it just didn't work out she's on tv now um doing a bit of i think was ncis or something but okay anyway the uh the way in which they kill off brad pitt's character in this is um he and claire fulani finish eating walk away from each other they've met in a diner sort of thing and they keep looking back to see if the other one's looking and catch each other's eye but they keep missing each other it's this real little happenstance kind of uh romantic comedy moment and um then when he reaches the uh, end of the street she's walking away he turns back um and sort of again she's not looking and he steps out in front of traffic and he has to kind of dodge a car and you hear beeping and he's sort of like whoa sorry sort of thing and he steps out and he steps in the way of another car <laughs> and uh he gets hit by that car and bounces from that car onto another car it's cgi <laughs> But he, the way he sort of bounces from a couple of cars is just sort of really out of nowhere comical. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Why did they choose that? Because it's it's a really uh, 
Joe Black isn't a great film, but the the tone of it is almost so serious, and that one, and there's no other moment like that in the film. But it, his death is so comical. I think it's the most it comical is. death I've ever seen in any movie ever made. Um, people have made gifs of it, you know, like that's their avatar, just that just the the body of Brad the Pitt bouncing. flying from car to car. Yes, uh, it's just such a weird strategy strategy to choose that. Yeah, I think it might have been more effective in a serious film like it is had you heard the car and then cut to black. Yeah. You know, not included any of that gibberish. Yeah, or just, like, I'm sure there's other ways to do it where he gets hit by a car and it doesn't look that comical. Like, Yeah. Oh, man. It's very silly, isn't it? But it is funny. It is so memorable because it's so hilarious. It's so comical. Mm, Definitely. And uh, I'll finish with one more, which always sticks with me because it's like uh, a real guy's movie I guess um, and I'm talking about Armageddon oh, now yeah, yeah. so many so many guys die in Armageddon uh, including Owen Wilson's character and uh, I believe Michael Clark Duncan's character um, up there on the asteroid when they're drilling but the main death it comes when one of them has to stay behind and manually trigger the bomb that will save the planet earth they draw straws, of course, because that's the fairest way to do it. And then it's Ben Affleck. Uh, his character is in a relationship with Bruce Willis's daughter, played by Liv Tyler. Yeah. And uh, so, of course, Harry, Bruce Willis's character, takes him down, um, you know, as if to sort of send him off and so forth. And uh, Ben Affleck says, uh, you know, tell Grace I love her and all that sort of stuff and... He goes, yeah, you tell yourself. And he pulls the oxygen from the back of his um, suit, pushes him back into the sort of ship compartment, rips off his uh, shoulder pad, which says, for all mankind. And he says, give that to Truman. Truman, of course, is Billy Bob Thornton, who always wanted to go into space and never could. So this is his souvenir from space, which later on in the film, you know, very, very end, he sort of is handed over to him, is really nice um, from Harry. And then he stays back tells Ben Affleck's character before he goes back up he loves him he's got to take care of my daughter now sort of thing and it's this really big emotional moment that Ben Affleck ruins a little bit but Bruce Willis holds on to and uh, it's really sort of between two guys and one of them who's going to his death sort of thing it's a it's a way of him giving his blessing in the most manly father way I think Mm. um you like Armageddon or? Um, I didn't like it, no, but I do remember that you scene. You thought it was go, cheesy? Oh, isn't that sad? <laughs> I mean, the whole film, it takes a long time to get to that point, yeah. but I think that was a really nice sort of scene. And, uh, you know, if you're going to die, like they say in the film, why not die saving? I'm the guy that gets to do it saving the world, you know, yeah, sort of thing. So absolutely. I, as a big death, I thought, why not mention it on this podcast? <laughs> of course, um listeners can let us know their thoughts if you think we've made a terrible mistake omitted some kind of film that uh you love and a memorable death scene to you all of our links uh can be found at www.podmeifyoucan.com where you can listen to old podcasts you can hit us up on twitter you can find your way to the facebook page and you can leave us some feedback anywhere there um congratulations lloyd over a year of Podme if you can it's been awesome man i can't wait to do another absolutely so uh we will talk to you guys next time a lot of big films coming out we're gonna have some good ones on the horizon but until then thanks guys all the best